At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. This is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents, as shown in their name, to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of tonight's show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. Our expert tonight is Linda Sherman, who has developed her genius in the area of astrology. Linda has been on with us before, and we had great response. We just all loved having her on, and she's back with her new book. She's had a private practice in astrology for almost 45 years. She serves an international clientele that includes corporations and individuals. Linda has written three books, What Next? A Survival Guide to the 21st Century, published in 2007, containing targeted predictions that have recently unfolded, such as the housing crash of 2007, the stock market crash of 2008, followed by a lengthy recession, the rise in gold prices, the BP environmental disaster in 2010, and the earthquake and tsunami that hit Japan in 2011. Her second book, published in 2012, is Fast Forward, Surviving the Race to the Future, in which she discusses a great economical depression, climate change, challenges to the powerful elite, and historical cycles in humanity's history. Linda's goal is to educate everyone on these controversial topics to the extent that they can prepare themselves mentally and physically. Linda's third book is hot off the press with the first books just being released last week. She co-wrote Our Choice, Extinction or Evolution. Her co-author is Richard Spitzer, an analyst, which would appear to be the exact opposite of astrology, and yet this isn't the case. We are thrilled to have Linda Sherman back with us to hear all about her new book. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Linda. Well, it's always such a pleasure to be on your show, Sharon. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so excited about having you here. So to start with, what exactly is astrology for anybody possibly listening that doesn't know? Yes, astrology is a study of astronomical events in relationship to cycles and climates on Earth here in our lives, whether they be uh, social climates, economic climates, political climates, the, the patterns of the planets as they repeat themselves. History kind of maybe doesn't exactly repeat itself, but it rhymes. <laughs> so that we have a reoccurrence of issues and themes that arise in human history. And astrologers, our job is to study this historically and to analyze it when it comes up again. 
we also, of course, do individual private readings of people's astrological charts. We have to so, have their birth dates, times, and places. And then we, we look, the astrological chart is kind of a stamp on a person uh, of their, their talents, their abilities, uh, their possibilities, as, as I say, their conflicts, etc., that we can kind of reveal through the study of the astrological chart so people can make better choices in their lives. Does this have anything to do with vibrations simply because, you know, the new wave is vibrational medicine? So is this from the vibrations or the pull or the energy from the planets and how it affects somebody? Well, that's one of the theories. We, uh, when it, it comes to astrology, we don't know why it works altogether. There are a lot of theories about astrology, and one of them is vibration. Another one has to do with gravity and magnetism uh, and these things. But I think the tie-in with all of us who are on this planet, especially living organisms, with the many, many things that are going that go on in the universe uh, is very deep and very complicated and uh, we we know that astrology works and there are many theories as to why it may work uh, but there currently there are theories we don't know yet why it works do you have to be a good historian to be a good astrologer because all the cycles that are repeating and everything do you have to know what happened when so you can pull it back in you're absolutely right, Sharon. We have to at least be willing students of history uh, because we, we go back into time and say, well, what was going on uh, back? For instance, right now we have a transit of Pluto in the uh, deep, dark uh, sign of Capricorn. Well, what happened in previous centuries? There was the Protestant Reformation in Europe in the mid-1500s. Uh, and then more recently, there was the American Revolution uh, in the 1700s. And, uh, and right now, if, if you, you can see that there have been a lot of disturbances connected with religions, uh, worldwide religions and the Catholic Church, as when the Protestant Reformation took place. And we're also seeing a revolution in this country, and we're seeing revolutions actually around the world. Uh, so the the uh, Pluto in Capricorn, particularly its square to Uranus in Aries. Now, the last time Uranus was in Aries and squared Pluto was the Great Depression of the 1930s. And a very high proportion of people in this country and in the world at large feel as if they are in a Great Depression, even though the privileged at the very top of the food chain feel very prosperous, and, and we have a concentration of wealth and power in the hands of the few that is unprecedented in all of human history today. You know, I wonder, too, if the Depression may be experiencing itself a little differently than it did last time because of the sheer numbers of people who are depressed. Well, that's part of it, but, but so much of it is what is left out of the news media uh, today with so many people in this economy. For an example, Princeton University did a study recently that in the past decade that 94% of all jobs added to the economy are temporary, part-time, or contract. So we're not talking about having, in the past decade, having all of these permanent, full-time, comfortable jobs added. We, we call this the gig economy. Also, the, the wages have either stagnated or fallen. So many people are working two jobs. They're dry, you know, they have what we call the gig economy, where they may be driving Uber, uh, one day working in a restaurant at night, or whatever they can do. And, and another thing, in the Depression, we noticed uh, uh, in the 1930s, there were these terrible shanty towns. People were homeless. They were in soup lines in the street. Today, we have giant homeless shelters. But I want to give you an example of a statistical fact that I read online for the Coalition for the Homeless, an, an entity that has a website. And they said in 1985, when Ronald Reagan was president, 
and we were concerned about homelessness. And many reporters were going and interviewing homeless people on, on the streets. In 1985, we had 10,000 homeless people in New York City. In the summer of, of 2017, this past summer, we had 61,000 homeless people in New York City. Oh. And they will they will tell you in Portland, Oregon, they have such a problem. My daughter volunteered at a homeless shelter there. They have so many homeless people. They can't afford the housing. And she pointed out to me there was a family there they were trying to help, a husband, the wife, and two young children that were living in the homeless shelter because they couldn't afford housing. They both had full-time jobs. But they oh, were that is just so sad. Minimum wage. This is what has spread across this country we have inequality of of wealth and opportunity that we haven't seen since the gilded age of the robber barons so the realities of what we're seeing now is and of course right now we have a congress that wants to give a tax break to the billionaires and the corporations at the top of this food chain which will eventually our our uh, budget deficit right now, our, uh, our debt in the United States, 160, 106% of GDP. We're going, and, and eventually what will have to happen as the result of these tax breaks for the super rich is Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security will be threatened, which is, is the only thing that the bottom tier of society has left. So this is, these are the realities. And as an astrologer looking at these return of these planets, I said we would have a great crash in 2008. It would be the beginning of the second Great Depression. They call it the Great Recession. But what it, it hasn't been fixed uh, except for the, the taxpayer bailed out banks. And now we have a stock market that's the highest in all history that is completely out of touch with the rest of the citizens and the rest of the economies across this country. These are the things that deeply concern us as astrologers because we look at these planetary patterns and then we research what is really happening. And that's my job. That's why Richard Spitzer, who's a data analyst, whose background has worked for big banks and large corporations for years in uh, data and marketing analysis, mathematics, and he heard my broadcast. This little story is on Coast to Coast Radio last January and contacted me and said he was amazed that he didn't know astrologer dealt with these concepts and these cycles the way he does as an analyst and that his data agreed with my astrological analysis. So we became friends and we have just written and published this book together, Our Choice, Extinction, or evolution, in which we cover the major, major themes and issues of our time, from economics to technology to the environment to communication, and and a deeply needed spiritual and philosophical transformation that humanity needs to go through on this planet for us to save ourselves. So he and I were equally concerned about the realities that we're facing today and what our methodologies are telling us lie ahead if we don't step up to the, the plate and make different choices. Okay, in one minute or less, tell us, please, why different astrologers are all looking at the same planets, the same ephemeris, the same information, and yet somebody interprets it so differently than another one, and what is it that's different about how you do it that you're so accurate? Well, uh, first of all, some astrologers are less concerned with social, economic, and environmental trends. That They concentrate on doing people's individual readings, so they're more uh, linked to personality and this sort of thing. Astrology, astrologers are like everybody else. They have specialties, and uh, some of them just specialize in doing individual charts. Then we have people who are economic or financial astrologers like Ray Merriman and Bill Meridian who concentrate only on economic cycles. Okay, hold that thought. 
Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can also be heard on knowthename.com. Linda's website is soothsayer.com. After the break, we'll find out what this astrologer and her analyst agree on that's coming to America fairly soon. Do you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Linda Sherman, whose website is soothsayer.com, S-O-O-T-H-S-A-Y-E-R.com. Linda, before the break, we were talking about how different astrologers can look at the same things and see something different. And sometimes, you know, the ephemeris is giving them the same information. And you were talking about how some astrologers specialize in different fields. But what if they're specializing in the same field and they still see it differently? Are there different kinds of astrology that would somehow make them think that it's a little different? Like we have different languages. Is there different language types of well, astrology? Many, yes, there are many different. By the way, my, my website is S-O-O-T-H-E. S-A-Y-E-R. That's a compliment. Ah, thank you. Uh, mainly because you would think it didn't have the E. It's soothsayer. So you'll get another website if you're going <laughs> <it's a> <laughs> I'm so glad uh, you no, told us. Uh, no, that's a very, very good question. There are, there's, there's uh, what we call Vedic astrology, which comes out of the Hindu tradition. It's a completely very contrasting and different type of astrology that arises out of the cultures of India and, and uses different, um, different mathematical techniques. There is also the, what we call the Iranian school of astrology, which, which was de- developed in the early 20th century in Germany, in Germany, which concentrates on the mathematics of the relationships of the planets and midpoints and also has seven what we call imaginary planets that they that they deal with. There are different, and there's Chinese astrology. There are different kinds of astrology and different kinds of astrologers that come from different traditions. Uh, now, as to why we would agree or disagree, astrologers are human beings, and we interpret. And even though we may see similar things, uh, we may... Uh, accent one thing over here and be and accent something less over there so just like anybody 
uh, you go to different professionals and they bring their personalities and opinions along with them. So astrologers are no different from that point of view. That's wonderful. Go ahead. Most astrologers, when we're addressing a common question about something or we look at a person's chart, if we were all looking at the individual astrological chart, we would certainly be similar if not identical in our analysis, Sharon. Okay. Well, I've, you know, I've tried different astrologers just because I'm always curious. And sometimes I do trades for the name readings or whatever. And it's interesting that the basis is the same, and yet everybody tells me something that nobody else told me. That's interesting. Yes. You know, so I, I find it fascinating, um, especially since I grew up with my mother studying with Hitler's astrologer, that one of the three that didn't get killed. But that's a whole other story. That's Linda. an amazing story. <laughs> Linda, before the show, we agreed to read what your name means. So before we get into this new book, I'd like to share what your name means, if that's OK with you to do that now. Wonderful. I'd love it. Okay, some of what Linda's name indicates is that she was taught it was important to be able to think for oneself. Linda was born with self-confidence and has wonderful managerial skills. She could run and organize an entire assisted living space if she had chosen to use her skills in that regard. Instead, she manages a different way by interpreting astrology for so many others. Her name indicates that she's highly likable, yet won't change who she is in order to get liked. She needs a bit of clutter around her to get her brain in gear, and yet it's highly she's highly organized in her own way. She can always find whatever she wants to be able to find and lay her hand on it. I can just imagine and picture, Linda, your, your stacks of papers everywhere, so it would look maybe chaotic to somebody else, but you know exactly what's in what stack. Um, <laughs> Linda's name indicates that she's all about inclusivity and considers the entire world her family. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of what your name means. Sounds great to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is your first book that's co-written because the other two you wrote by yourself. So you were talking about how you were on Coast to Coast and Richard Spitzer called you up and he's a research analogist. You know, he's no no slouch. When I was looking him up, I mean, he was doing research analysis for businesses in over 40 years and his special interest in how information flow influenced economic attitudes and behavior. And he retired as an executive VP of one of the largest research firms. And he developed text analysis methodology to identify leading indicators of critical information and behavior influences. So he's a star in his own field. He and certainly is. So tell us about him, though. How, it, how did you find it working with him? And especially since you both come from such different positions to begin with and yet had such similarities of the final answer. Okay, uh, Rich and I respect each other, number one. We, after we had several conversations with each other, lengthy conversations over the phone, we were just finishing each other's sentences. And Richard also has an interest in the metaphysical arena and the consciousness movement, which I have been interested in through most of my life. And he's very concerned about the fate of humanity and consciousness raising and developing uh, I know my motto is we need to create uh, uh, a human race that lives in concert with the earth and in cooperation with each other, and that is his philosophy as well. So philosophically, we are very much aligned with one another. His career and his methodologies have gone in, in a completely different track, but what is interesting is that his research and my research turn up the same thing (laughs) we're coming from different backgrounds and and the third thing is that we just get along so easily with one another uh we just have a real nice rapport with one another and we don't when we uh uh, look at things differently we just work it out with, with each other we have uh, this has been amazing how we both of us, he lives in Chicago, by the way, and I live in, in Ithaca, New York. Uh, so we only met one time in person. We met in New York City last May at a friend's apartment and spent the day together. Uh, and we just uh, really developed a very excellent rapport. 
and we are on the same page. And and it is this has been incredible. It's never easy to write a book. Believe me, I know you know this because you've written a number <laughs> of wonderful books yourself. It's people say I'm going to write a book, and I say, ho ho, good luck. <laughs> it's not easy <laughs> to do. I think I think we rewrite more than we write. You know, right, it's, uh, exactly, it's exactly. Okay, so but, but Amazon, me and and I just I I don't think I would have done another book entirely on my own. So uh, the co-authorship of this has really really worked well for both of us. Now Amazon says something about your latest book. It says that, and I want to quote here: uh, "Humans are great at making short-term, self-interested choices. We're less skilled at making long-term decisions with the greater good in mind." This isn't yeah. just an interesting quirk of human nature. It's a fundamental flaw that threatens our very existence. And so then it talks about both of you guys getting together to apply your disciplines to the question of humanity's continued existence. So you're combining the study of historical astrological cycles with modern data analysis. And then you look into the future together to reveal core challenges to life as we know it. So then you have all these different topics and I would love to get started into these topics. Um, right after we answer one more question first, and that is, why did you write the book? What is specifically you'd like to have happen as a result of people reading Our Choice, Extinction, or Evolution? Okay, I would love to have people look at our chapters and our viewpoints and read what we have to say about our concerns about all what we feel are the major bullet points or the major uh, uh, concentrations of uh, uh, what I would say intellectual uh, uh, examination that we need to look at if we're going to survive on this planet for the next hundred years. That we feel we're at the edge, literally, of extinction or we're going to make an evolutionary leap. We took the big topics like economics and finance, the environment, environmental changes that we now know from the global climate scientists, what kind of an emergency we are in, the, te- the massive, amazing, rapid technological development that we have been experiencing recently and the upside and the downside and how, and also we have a chapter on energy, uh, we feel that that is such a huge, important topic and I have done my homework and research to think that we actually are on our way to solving that uh, with, with uh, things that uh, people can read the book. Because I quote the scientists, I quote articles from Scientific American, from the wonderful book Drawdown by Paul Hawken, who's an environmentalist and has created almost an encyclopedia work about all of our major uh, <clears throat> issues. And what I want, we've condensed it. The book is only 140 pages. And what we want people to come away with is excitement about this, saying, hey, I didn't realize it was this severe or this important. Let me go and do further research. Let me go look at what other people have to say. Let me examine these fields or these subjects to see are they right and what kinds of choices and decisions can we make in our own backyard, in our families, in our communities, when we go to vote for somebody uh, in Washington or when we write our own articles or books, what can we do to change things in a direction that means evolution rather than extinction? That's what we hope that people will come away with. Do you really think people will be willing to make those hard choices that you recommend in your book? Some people have already made them. There, they don't. <clears throat> those people don't get a lot of publicity. <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, there are so many good Samaritans out there. Um, uh, there are so many great people, the Doctors Without Borders, that are are going into these devastated places, Yemen, where everybody is starving to death, Syria, where the refugees, it looks like the end of World War II over there. We have terrible, we have more refugees in, in the world today, the Rohingya that are going out of Myanmar, and you see people heroically going to help these people. There are wonderful people alive on this planet today, and they're giving up 
pleasures and ease in their lives to go out and try to make a difference for all of the the people who are suffering in the world. There are also people who are writing books themselves about how we can transform ourselves, whether it's becoming, whether it's solutions for the environment or energy or whatever. There are people, the scientists are moving forward with great breakthroughs and inventions. What we need, as my co-author Rich so frequently says, is leadership, political and social leadership. Uh, And we need them to be out there because then people will feel, well, there's an organization or something I can get on board uh, uh, with that organization or those people. Okay, I need to stop you there. We need to stop and stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. This show is dedicated to our future probabilistics of what could happen. Stay tuned to hear more of what the analyst and the astrologer agree is going to happen next in our world. Linda Sherman's website is soothsayer.com, S-O-O-T-H-E-S-A-Y-E-R.com. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Linda Sherman. Her website is soothsayer.com. Linda is a well-recognized writer and astrologer who has co-authored a very informative book, Our Choice, Extinction, or Evolution, about what's coming next with her friend, The Analysis. Linda, before the break, you were mentioning about how all the good Samaritans and everybody are out there. And so just Listeners, if you haven't heard of this group, it is huge and it's around the world. And to talk about Good Samaritans, they're really looking out for everybody and their accomplishments are just incredible. It's, I have no idea how to pronounce it, but it is spelled A, V is in Victor, A, A, Z is in Zoo. And it's just an incredible group that I've been following lately that has just made some major accomplishments working with world leaders and getting world leaders to really listen to things like um, the health of our planet and what is in our food and how are people being treated. And anyway, it's a great organization. Okay, so um, let's start with one area at a time, Linda. 
So let's start with technology. What do you see, guys? What do you guys see there with technology? Well, <clears throat> there is so much going on with technology today, as we know. It seems like every time we get a new cell phone, the previous one is obsolete. Uh, and we certainly, um, uh, the, all of us today who are here realize that just in the past 20 years, the Internet, uh, uh, remote, uh, uh, you know, the cell phones, uh, the smartphones, all of this has just transformed our lives. The thing that concerns me about technology and the more we develop is how it is eliminating the workforce. Um, uh, and we talk about robotics and how robotics is developing. It's already taken over a good portion in the manufacturing of anything of what people used to do. Now we're talking about driverless vehicles. Um, and one thing that people don't realize uh, is that 50% of the male population in the United States is employed driving some kind of vehicle, whether he's a Uber or a taxi driver or a truck driver or a UPS driver or whatever. That's 50% of the male population, which could be eliminated by robotic driverless vehicles. Now, I've so, seen some of those in California. That absolutely freaked me out when I first saw them because I thought, wait a minute, this car next to me doesn't have a driver behind that wheel. Well, and, and it's kind of scary because I'm not sure. This is I don't think this is going to happen uh, in two or three days from now. They've already been invented and created, but with the complications on all of our roads and highways and the unpredictable things that can come from left field and I just don't see right now that they have <clears throat> all the sensibilities that would be reasonably uh, consistent to be aware, uh, you know, uh, of what's going on around them. But they will. Eventually, this, it, this is probably going to be inevitable. You take um, uh, what Amazon has done uh, and uh, has become a giant, an uh, absolute giant of an industry, but it is eliminating stores. It is eliminating retail jobs. Uh, and I could go on and on. The more technology that develops that is great and wonderful and terrific and everything, it eliminates jobs. And they're, they're not necessarily going to be replaced. Now, we'll always need people on the very high level, Ph.D. engineers and, and, and M.D.s and people at the very top of that educational chain, but even they struggle to, to remain relevant in, in the world. The con-changing technology uh, makes it difficult for people to get employment, and companies no longer want to train anybody. So you have to walk in the door with their application of exactly what they want, which only they do, by the way, for them <laughs> to hire you. So one of the downsides is all of this. Now, Upside. <clears throat> One of the things I have in this book, it's in both the chapter on technology and the chapter on energy, is uh, a, a development which I truly believe in very deeply will be as major a development as inventing the wheel or inventing the printing press, and that is nuclear fusion. Nuclear fusion can produce theoretically infinite amounts of energy with absolutely no pollution. Basically, it's, it's uh, uh, creating fusion from a hydrogen atom. We have fusion reactions in the, in the chamber out in California, uh, one in France, one in Germany, and then the big one in CERN, Switzerland. And they're building chambers. And I have uh, details which I have quoted from science publications about how this is progressing and how the problems with it for developing an infrastructure for it uh, are being solved in different arenas. For instance, MIT solved an electrical conductivity problem. And Northrop Grumman developed a, a portable fusion chamber that only needs ignition. Uh, when you get all of these parts together, this is going to revolutionize. It will be the end of age of fossil fuel. We will have an infinite amount of electricity, of energy, 
uh, with and there's almost there's just no downside to it at least not that we know in this moment because you're not dealing with uranium or plutonium or all these toxic things that melt down and eventually the nuclear fission plants that are all over this country are aging and decaying and leaking and we will not have that with nuclear fusion i think it's going to be the revolutionary development another technological thing will be a near perfect battery elon musk is already working on that with his electric cars as are other auto manufacturers working for for a fully electric car and there's even a thing i published on this past month's newsletter uh, where you could charge the car by going near an electromagnetic station you wouldn't even have to plug in so but there's battery technology if your battery will last you uh, without having to recharge it for great lengths of time you also solve the issue with solar energy and windmill because if there's no sun or there's no wind there's no energy so if you have a battery for storage that's near perfect you're not going to have to worry about that those are two enormously significant things that I think are going to make a a, a huge difference. So do you see, uh, I know a lot of people that live in colder climates get generators for backups. Do you think in the future they could have batteries for backups? Uh, Yes. Well, I think the colder climates are not going to be a problem with nuclear fusion. Uh, it, it's a, a fusion reaction in a chamber that doesn't matter whether you're in a hot area or a cold area or or whatever. You will still have this enormous amount of energy and, and electricity so that you can heat your homes, you can uh, electrify everything. Um, it, it's, it's just going to be absolutely amazing what this is going to do. Okay. What about education? How is that changing? Well, education, unfortunately, is not doing well in the United States of America. It's doing much better in other nations that fully fund, finance, and have fantastically great systems of public education, regardless of somebody's income level. You take the Scandinavian countries, and uh, uh, Norway, and Sweden, and Denmark, and Finland, those areas, uh, they they just stand out. In, in Singapore is another place. These places have uh, just uh, they have wonderful systems. Here in the United States, we have a, a extreme that simply wants to defund public education and privatize everything. And this is not going to. It's not working, and it, it's not going to work. We are unwilling, really, to invest what we need to invest, and also. Our education, so much of it is the 19th century (laughs) education. We're not moving into where the research tells us how children respond in a classroom to knowledge and information, how you can help them to be motivated to learn instead of the uh, kind of rigid, linear type of thing that has been going on here. And thirdly, in this country, the cost of a college education has skyrocketed because now universities are being run like giant for-profit only corporations. So, and, and also because so many immigrants, top level people are coming in from other countries here. Um, there's great competition to get into these places. And today, I mean, it can cost you anywhere from forty to $60,000 a year. For a, for a person to get a, a degree. And I, and I discuss these problems in my book and, and have suggestions as how we could transform uh, the education system to work for everybody. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? I won't even get into, um, you know, all the common core and all of that because um, as a former teacher, I really look at that, I think, a little bit differently than most might. Okay, another thing, go ahead. Uh, Another thing. I'd be interested in your opinion on that because uh, I think that it's terrible for teachers to have to teach to standardized tests. This is just so 
contradictory to how humans are motivated and want to learn. To me, it's just almost like punishment. Well, you, uh, so many teachers I know end up teaching the test just so that it looks like their students are learning, and yet their students aren't learning how to think that way. They're only learning remote. Exactly. So it, it's a, you know, it, it's sad, and then you have teachers that are choosing really to do a good job, and they're teaching their kids how to think, but then they don't do as well on these standardized tests that unless you've been brainwashed, you wouldn't know how to interpret the questions if you didn't already have your master's. And so... Um, it's it's hard because then they don't get evaluated as well, and your pay reflects on your evaluation. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword to get everybody in line. And I always think we're only making chocolate chip cookies anymore. No, no peanut butter cookies. You know, no oatmeal cookies. Just chocolate chip cookies. And well, the other I used side to- of that, Sharon, and you well know this as as a teacher. There uh, across this country, there's an enormous amount of broken families. And by broken, not just divorced and remarried and, you know, all that that has swept this nation for for so many years. Uh, But there's a lot of poverty out there. uh, And there's a lot of uh, parents that just are not interested in really being involved with their children and teaching them manners and teaching them, you know, spending time. There are some very dedicated and loving parents who do a phenomenal job. But there seems to be a contentment with sitting the kid in front of a computer game or his smartphone or the television set and this deeply disturbs me and then that child goes to school and has no sense of order or discipline uh, and I don't mean punishment discipline I mean just basic organization and being able to listen and to participate has none of that uh, and and we're getting uh, so many kids that are coming into my uh, daughter, who's a college professor, and one of my best friends are telling me the kids are walking into college, and even if their parents can afford the fortune it costs them, they have no work ethic. They walk okay. in, they're just... hold that thought. Yep, hold that thought right there. Stay tuned. Know the name, know the genius in you, and we'll be right back after this break. is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet, viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School with great news, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Linda Sherman, whose website is soothsayer.com. It's S-O-O-T-H, remember that E-S-A-Y-E-R.com. She's taken her astrology and research skills to a level where she's able to accurately predict what's coming up next for the world. Her last two books from the dates of when they were published and then you watch a couple of years later and everything starts coming out as she talked about it are just incredible and amazing. So I'm so looking forward to this book. I ordered it tonight on Amazon. Um, I just thought, okay, I can't wait to read this particular book. Before we um, were talking about it, the break was education, which, you know, is very dear to my heart because I spent 40 years in education, just like Richard, your co-author, spent 40 years being an analysis. And to see the changes over time and and what's really happening and, and, and able to keep a child's attention these days with all the toys and the visuals and everything and you're right with the work ethics. And so there needs to be a revolution in education. But I want to go on to what's really near and dear to my heart also that you write about in your book, uh, philosophies and consciousness. Talk to us about that, please. I feel that this is at the core of everything. And this is how do people perceive the meaning of their lives? Why are we here? Who are we and what are we? Uh, that there has to be a, 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 an understanding, and that's where the evolution comes in. It's not enough for ha- us to have all these, all this technology and all these inventions and all uh, of this. We have to, in my personal opinion, and Richards is my co-author as well, we need to have a transformation and understanding about who we are and, and what we are. And uh, my personal experience is that when people are selfish and greedy and sociopathic and psychopathic, and you know, in their behavior toward each other, and we have still a world where one religion is at war with the other religion, religions as tribes still fighting and killing each other throughout the planet, and when we have so much uh, a politics of hate and vengeance that seems to be a dominant force in in America, in the White House and in this country today. Uh, I look at that and I say, what? Have we gone down the tubes? What is the matter with this? What is the matter, in my opinion, at the bottom of this is a a fear of death. And when at the very bottom of your psyche you fear death and dying, you see yourself as a terminal separated entity from everything else and everything else terminates so you're going to terminate if we had an understanding that there is no death that uh, i am uh, looking at what top theoretical physicists are discussing and looking at the universe today at a universe that we uh, don't deal with on a day-to-day basis it is a world where there's dark energy, dark matter. We recognize what we actually are capable of seeing is a tiny percentage of what is there. And these physicists are also hypothesizing that there's not just a universe, there are multiverses, and that these multiverses are conscious. <clears throat> that, In other words, all that is, the universes out of which we are created is a conscious entity and that it, it matter it, you know the, the, the position matter is neither created or destroyed the soul the psyche is neither created or destroyed it's an evolutionary outgrowth of what in my personal opinion is the divine consciousness of the universe manifesting itself in an infinite number of possible and probable ways and you and I and every creature, every person is a manifestation of this force. When we 
die to this world, when we die to what I like to call this format, we simply move on to a different expression. Our core consciousness lives on into eternity. Now, that philosophy has been present in ancient Buddhism. It's been present in Christianity as offering eternal life. Uh, the the con- the concept of reincarnation and karma in many great religions in Hinduism this concept has been there and now at the very top and most rarefied level of theoretical physics they're hypothesizing this they're looking at it if we truly embraced that and understood it we would not be poisoning the earth for a buck <laughs> and killing <laughs> each other and hating each other and competing with each other, we will be living in concert with each other, uh, in cooperation with each other, and in a loving understanding that we are a unit, we are the divine. And if we could change that, we could change the human, what we have have thought was the human psyche uh, all along. It It could evolve into something else. And that is my opinion. Well, it would be very interesting. I know that um, what I was taught was, I remember the time when my mother said, you see that room over there when she was talking about death? And she goes, when I go in that room, can you see me? And we'd say no. And she'd say, but you know, I'm still here, even though you can't see me, right? And we'd say yes. And she goes, well, that's what death is, where I'm just going into a different room. I couldn't and, agree more. You know, and so it's it's nice when you you know, when you've grown up with that kind of philosophy being shared. You talk about in your book practical realities and choices that we, the people, need to make. Yes. Could you briefly summarize that? Well, I think, uh, first of all, this grand consciousness change, I think we need, all of us need to have a meditation, uh, some kind of group gathering that we get together and discuss these things philosophically to help that kind of internal coming to a peace with ourselves. I think that that is not only rarefied, it's a survival technique. When we are internally at peace with ourselves uh, in this life, we're going to make better decisions. Now, on the practical level, I say to people, if you can possibly get out of debt, it's just not possible for everybody. But if you can... Uh, uh, work toward getting yourself, paying off your mortgage, paying off your credit cards. Right now, this nation as a whole has the highest credit card debt is ever had in its entire history since we created credit cards. So getting out of debt um, uh, is, I think, or working toward that. Um, I've also said if you can have uh, an income-producing property that always helps to bring in extra income. Uh, this is what my husband and I did. We sold our house in New Jersey. We paid cash for a lovely home here that has an apartment over the two-car garage, which we rent for extra income. Uh, because I think we're going to be living through a very, very tough time in the economy that lies ahead. This is a bubble stock market. It's a bubble economy. More and more people are falling into poverty and destitution. Uh, and uh, uh, we're, we're, what lies immediately ahead between now and the 2020s is pretty grim. And I think we have to think on a practical level of storing uh, uh, preserved food and potable water and medical supplies Uh, We have to prepare, even if we don't have an emergency like that, we need to be prepared for it. My husband and I are great. We're not preppers exactly, but we have this sensibility that we should be prepared as much as we possibly can. I feel we're entering a world where digital blockchain currency is going to happen. We've seen it with Bitcoin already. But uh, the, I think the, we already do remote lending uh, all over the world. That this is, a, and, and I'm against that being the sole means of exchange because you can be hacked, you can be destroyed, and, and, and just wiped out of existence. But I don't think they're going to get rid of cash right away. So if you can store 
some cash in a safe place uh, with some gold coins. Uh, just these are what I would call emergency things that you can do for yourself or, or march toward doing that to the best of your ability. So if things, if we do go through a really rough time, you have a certain degree of preparation for that. We want to thank you so much, Linda, for joining us again on Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. It's always such a pleasure to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be on your show, Sharon. Thank you. Be prepared. Be surprised. Be pleased when you experience Linda Sherman's work. I recommend her often. Her website, again, is soothsayer.com with S-O-O-T-H-E-S-A-Y-E-R.com. Linda's name indicates that she's always had self-confidence. This is located in her first letter of her name being an L. If your name starts with an L and is followed by any letter other than an A, you two were born with self-confidence. So the question is, how will you use your confidence and will you hold on to it or will you lose it? Okay. Do you know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, host of the radio show, Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on xzbn.net radio, an X-Zone radio station, and on knowthename.com. If you wish to know about your name and how you can discover your innate genius, go to knowthename.com and give yourself the gift of a session to find out what your name says about you. This is Sharon Lynn Wyeth, signing off. 